BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're listening to Sci-Fi Wire's 22 Days of Marvel. On today's episode, we're talking about the movie that started it all, 2008's Iron Man. Stay tuned. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Sci-Fi Wire's 22 Days of Marvel podcast. I'm today's moderator, Matt Romano. On this episode, we're counting down to the release of Avengers Endgame by revisiting all of the movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one day at a time. Each day, we tackle a different movie, re-explore the plot, call out the best scenes and dialogue, and most importantly, track all the connections across these 22 movies and what clues give us a hint to what happens at Avengers Endgame. And finally, what makes this podcast most exciting is our hosts. We are all massive fans of the MCU at Sci-Fi Wire, so this podcast will be hosted by a rotating cast of Sci-Fi Wire staff. Some of you heard before, some of you didn't, but we're all going to geek out from the inner circle right here at Sci-Fi Wire HQ, straight to the platform of your choice. So let's jump right in with today's co-hosts. Max Tadaldi and Morgan Johnson. Hello, hello. What's up, guys? Yeah, I love that you referred to us as the most exciting part of the podcast because I agree with you. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, mean, I, I am excited to just be here. This is fun. <laughs> well, I mean, who better to talk about these movies than the staff of Sci-Fi Wire? I mean, we live and breathe this stuff every day. I think what's sort of interesting is that I consider myself a huge fan of these movies, and I've, I've seen every single one of them, but I think actually when you consider all of the other people on the floor who have watched MCU movies, I'm probably like middle tier to low tier because everyone like rewatches them. Exactly. Uh, you know, geeks out about them. It's very much water cooler conversation. Yeah, exactly. And that's also the beauty of this podcast. You're going to hear from a lot of diverse voices, a lot of diverse opinions about the MCU, but it's all going to come from a place from love because we just love these movies and we're so excited for Endgame and we just can't wait to talk about these movies. Yeah. I'm going to poke in some critiques, I think. <laughs> I'm not surprised, Max. Max is critique central. But that's the you, – you need you need very – like you said, we need some different voices. It's always fun talking to my cube mates. Just the other day, I feel like what's your top five always comes up of the MCU. So this is just a, a more official way for us to do what we do all the time anyways. <laughs> exactly. I love it. When was the last time that you guys saw Iron Man before rewatching for this podcast? Probably the last time I was watching TV in a hotel room and it was on TV. <laughs> wow. On cable. Harsh words. I mean. Hotel viewing. But those are the best though. Those are no, the best true. because you're scrolling through and you're like, I'm going to order some room service. And you're like, I just want a really good movie. Like, please, 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 please. And then you like hit that sweet spot of one that you're like, and you know, when you get a scene, you're like, oh, this is the scene. Yeah, it's I'm like, oh, I'm excited. Turn or like, the phone off. Yeah. I'm going to order a dirty amount of room service. And get a little disgusting. Yeah. Would you like sweet potato fries or regular fries? Regular Do I have fly. to make a decision? Please. Do I have to make exactly? <laughs> no, that's the thing. I think the last time I saw it too was a rerun on cable. Because it's funny. I mean, I love Iron Man, mm-hmm. but it's not a go-to repeat for me. Like there's certain movies in the MCU that like I consistently go back to whenever I just need that fix. And it's not Iron Man, but it should be. Well, I think it makes you realize how much you've grown accustomed to and looked for all of the connections to the other movies and how satisfying those moments are. And Iron Man is very much an origin story. There's not as much of those like, oh, I remember that in Black Panther when he referenced that. And that makes me feel good as a viewer. There's not a ton of that in Iron Man. There's nothing really to react to. Exactly. And that is actually a great segue to introduce another part of this podcast who uh, we are affectionately calling Warvis. Uh, hello, I'm Warvis. Oh, Warvis is just so cute, isn't he, Morgan? I'm not cute. I'm terrifying. I mean, out of the three men that are on this podcast, I would say Warvis is my favorite. I'll fight you for him. <laughs> so so for, you, uh, for those listening at home, Warvis is uh, our internal sci-fi wire AI, um, similar to Iron Man's Jarvis. But newer and better. Yeah. And just better in every way. You know, exactly. And he's learning, you know, so there's uh, there's a lot more to come from Warvis. But uh, what Warvis is going to do right now is he's going to give us a quick 
State of the Union for the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is about to be. So, Warvis, go Warvis. Warvis it up. Thank you for that comprehensive and not at all demeaning intro. Um, here is where we are at in the MCU. This is the first MCU movie, and there is nothing leading up to this. It's the first one. So I don't even know why you're asking me. Wow, thanks, Warvis. <laughs> so what we've God, learned Warvis is so comprehensive, is... isn't he? <laughs> I think we need to work on Warvis's uh, voice, uh, his AI voice. Uh, well, he's not corrupted by Paul Bettany, so that's yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Paul Bettany's sweet, sweet voice, though. <sighs> it's good. And oh, he, he was also super hunky in Infinity War, which is like crazy seeing that. I was like, oh, who's, who's that tall drink of water? Yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about yet. What's Infinity War? That's right. We're, we're living starting, in a world yeah. with no Infinity War. Go back yeah. to April 14th, 2008. You had no idea what was to come. Yes. So uh, yeah, let's just dive right into it. So Iron Man came out in 2008. It is the first of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's the first to set up the ideas of Tony Stark, Iron Man, Shield, and. It's the first movie to really hint at this larger Marvel universe, um, which I felt rewatching was really exciting because there's so much of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that is still present today. Um, and it all started with Iron Man um, in 2008. And it's such a just ambitious project. And you forget that nothing like this had really ever been attempted before to bridge so many movies, so many canons together. It's just a ridiculous Herculean undertaking. Yeah, like going back to 2008, you know, imagining someone saying phase one. It's like, what does phase one mean? Like, what is that? There are phases? What is that? I'm so on board. Yes. What is a connected cinematic universe? I mean, there really wasn't anything at that moment um, that really you can compare it to. It, I think it's easy to forget where this movie really came out of and what was popular at the time, right? It was, I think, Spider-Man 3 had just come out, or like maybe the year prior. Uh, Casino Royale, I think, actually had uh, some pretty big effects on at least Tony Stark uh, in Iron Man. And then, you know, the movies that was, you know, it was Dark Knight. Dark Knight. It was a very, yeah. very different place where I think comic books had kind of um, polarized a little bit where you had some like really light ones like Superman Returns, um, Spider-Man 3 really campy and then like very, very dark with Watchmen um, and Batman Returns. Just like a, it's a very just interesting place for comic book movies in general. And it's kind of amazing too. Like I, I remember at the time just hearing the names John Favreau and Robert Iron Downey Man Jr. and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. being like, what is this thing? And like how is – he directing how Robert Downey Jr. is a superhero. Where have you been? Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, and and to think that all the questions that were being asked at that time immediately were silenced as soon as the movie came out, and everybody just oh, got yeah. it. And, yeah, and it's easy to see why. I think that when in rewatching this movie, I totally forgot what a just fucking rock star Robert Downey Jr. is. Yeah. He and he's. Definitely played big roles throughout the whole MCU, but this one is just, it's just him. Yeah. There are not any superheroes. He, the whole movie is on his shoulders, and he owns it. And he makes Iron Man his own. Like, he takes on, like, that billionaire, like, smart-ass kind of, like, persona and, mm -hmm. like, tur turns it up to a whole nother level. It's like a really, really fun Bruce Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's a billionaire uh, playboy philanthropist. Um, yeah. Yeah, in all senses of the word. Yeah, and right. all yeah. the tech. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually heard, um, uh, I read somewhere that Tony Stark um, in this iteration was really based on Elon Musk. And that I was see a that. huge yeah. inspiration for the Tony Stark character was was Elon because, you know, here's this like genius billionaire. Sure. You know, sure. Who I'm going to start my own space company. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Cars. In the <laughs> opening Tony Stark backstory part of the movie when it's like whiz kid graduates MIT. Yes. Yeah. It's a photo of him and Bill Gates in yes. the paper. Yes. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Tony Stark. Visionary. Genius. American patriot. So, you know, it starts with this uh, amazing flash forward in time. Sure. Tony's in the desert. Sure. 
you know, he's big stakes right from the beginning. Exactly. Yeah. 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 You dive right into the action, but it's very clear in the beginning that, you know, within the first two minutes, it kind of sets up who this person is. He's, he's drinking, he's funny. He's, you know, being all uh, bantery with the, with his army colleagues there. And then all of a sudden all hell breaks loose. A very, very strong shift in tone. Oh, it's yeah. like immediately. Yeah. I like that as just a narrative device in general. It gets you on board right away. And then immediately you're like, well, how did he get here? Exactly. We're going to tell you. <laughs> and then to what Morgan was just saying, then we yeah. we flash cut, you know, or whatever you call it to a flashback. 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 All right. Um, and then it's going through like the, the exposition of setting up Tony is like he's this whiz kid. His father was uh, a Nazi killer. Um, Howard Stark with allusions to his work with Captain America. Exactly. And as we know, that will come up huge with all of Captain America's backstory and when we actually are back in the 40s laying the groundwork for S.H.I.E.L.D., for the Avengers, but we're not touching that yet. Yeah, we're not going to touch that yet. But I'm only going to call this out just to say, like, you know, watching Iron Man for the first time, like, I was, growing up, I'm going to admit it, I was a DC Comics fan. Like, Marvel was secondary to me. I mean, I was very into Spider-Man and X-Men, but, like, the Justice League was my jam. So as much as I knew about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, thinking back and watching Iron Man for the first time, all these clues, like Howard Stark, I had no idea who Howard Stark was, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like I had no idea that there was this larger connection between Iron Man and Captain America. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily a spoiler. I mean, it's it's out there. Totally. <laughs> it just, you know, it um, just shows you how good a job they all did, they did at like laying the ground work yeah. and yeah. by emphasis work, on work emphasis on work <laughs> to have to imagine the storyboards for this oh, man yeah. and the meanings and just being like okay we're going to say this one thing and it's going to be a huge payoff in 10 yeah. years later and people if, are going to get in it in several movies down the road yeah. and that i think that i think is the biggest tip of the cap to uh to marvel in general is that you don't need any knowledge of what's coming down the pipeline. Everything in this movie exists and works independently of the greater MCU. And it's only then looking back where you're like, oh, like I didn't even really clock the Nazi stuff. And now that that really meant something. Oh, yeah, totally. Which is super, super cool to see. I also like in particularly the beginning of this movie was caught very off guard by the whole uh, like terrorism in Afghanistan plot line that I kind of forgot about. And it really brought up something that I totally forgot that this is this movie is definitely existing in a post 9-11 world where people this was a very real threat for people. It was, you know, terrorism being brought onto domestic soil. And that's what I think this movie actually did really, really well. In the beginning, you think you are getting just your stereotypical terrorist in the Middle East plot line. And then it very quickly shifts. And you realize that the terror is actually coming from Tony's own camp and that we are actually the baddies, yeah. which is crazy yeah. and a really cool flip. No, and it's great. And it, it's really heavy and something that everybody can relate to in today's news. It's like, yeah, America is this profiteer, like this war profiteer selling all this equipment. And, you know, we're the reason for a lot of the disablement. And it's really cool because you go on that journey with Tony because at the beginning he's like, this is how my dad did it. This is how we're going to do it. Stark Industries has to make money this way in order to do all the other good stuff that we do. Yep. But we have to still profit from war. And it's interesting because of his experience in the movie and what he goes through, his complete shift in character and drive and, like, motivation for the rest of the movie is so much built on that realization that, like, we have to look at ourselves and, like, what we have done to contribute to this. Exactly. Yes. And it really, I think, sets the foundation and the groundwork for his rivalry slash friendship with Steve Rogers' Captain America because they're both coming at war from a very different place. And I think almost like the opposite place where Steve Rogers is on the ground. He's a soldier and then he becomes a leader. And Stark is a leader who then becomes a soldier. So it's like there's different ways of into that world. Wow, Max, hot takes. Whoa, hot takes. takes. (laughs) Here's my hot take. If Iron Man had a little bit more junk in the trunk and a halfway decent AI, I might give him a half a glance. (laughs) Yeah, from a sexual way or something. So so as as the movie goes along, so, uh, you know, uh, Tony eventually catches up with the time period in the movie. He is in Afghanistan showing off all this new weaponry. His convoy is attacked, and then he is taken prisoner by 
the Ten Rings terrorist organization, which is also um, a call out to something that will happen in the future. But, you know, Iron Man has this classic villain, the Mandalorian. I mean, not Mandalorian? No, it's not Mandalorian. That's a good question. Warvis, what's the, what's the name of yeah. the... Warvis, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. We can use Warvis, yeah. Get in there, Warvis. Yeah. So, Warvis, uh, tell us about the Ten Rings. The Ten Rings is a terrorist organization dedicated to destroying world peace. It's believed to be led by the mysterious Mandarin, who we actually see as the lead antagonist in Iron Man 3. So, much to look forward to. Uh, oh, Warvis. He does it again. It's like Google, but friendlier. It's like an in-between between Ask Jeeves and Google. Warvis yeah. is right in the middle. <laughs> That's right. And I feel like Jarvis leans a little too closely to Jeeves. Yes. A little bit fancy. A little fancy. Ours is a little more scrappy. Warvis, yeah, he was like yeah. raised on the computing streets. Exactly. <laughs> he, he had his come up. Yes, yes. <laughs> he once dated Alexa. Yeah. <laughs> but... Oh, before she was Alexa. Before she was Alexa. I got it. Did she work at Vanity Fair maybe? In the same way that Iron Man's side piece does in this one. That's right. One of of my actually favorite storylines in this is. The hard-hitting reporter is from Vanity Fair. (laughs) The hard-hitting reporter who's like, I am going to, I'm going to do this expose on you and we're in bed together. Fuck. (laughs) How did that happen? Mr. Stark, Christine Everhart, Vanity Fair magazine. Can I ask you a couple of questions? She's cute. She's all right. Hi. But in, in going back to the, to the movie, so Tony is, uh, you know, he's in the cave, and now he has to devise this amazing plan to break out, which actually, I never really thought about it, but what an amazing plan. So he tricks the terrorist into thinking that he's going to build them a missile, and really he just builds this amazing exit plan for him. It's like, I'm going to build a suit of armor so I can just walk out of here. Um, but like the terror, like they've got to be kind of stupid. To yeah. not realize that, that a missile looks nothing like <laughs> yeah. a fully right. manned, he's like, like he bends his knee. It's like he's clearly testing out the mobility of this robot that he's building. Well, and it's funny because he's like, I only imagine the equipment he's requesting. He's like, I need hydraulics and bullets. And it's like, wait, what? Like, why are you asking for all this stuff? Yeah, why do you have the bullets? Yeah. You know, the, the bombs made of bullets? That, right. That doesn't quite make sense. Right? I don't know. If some, like, genius millionaire that I had trapped in my cave asked me for certain materials, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I guess you could need that. Yeah, I like, guess I don't know so. anything about <laughs> engineering to it's be also able like to. <laughs> very, they, they, did they steal this from Back to the Future? Because doesn't Doc also, like, like trick, like, those terrorists into getting some, like, uh, all the stuff he needs for the time machine? Yeah, yeah the... Uh, very Back to the Future plan here. Very, very Back to the yeah. Future. But it's great. So Tony escapes in this amazing sequence where... He has the Mach 1 Iron Man suit, which is that, which is a very much a riff on, I think, the original suit in the comic books, oh, if yeah. I recall. Oh, it's like it's for almost, sure. Yeah, it's almost like the an emergence exact, of Iron Man, yeah. that old school, like, silver yeah, like era. Yeah, gold costume yeah. or whatever, but... It looks very, yeah. uh, like, atomic retroism. Yeah. Yes. It's very cool. And I will also say I am always impressed, even from the beginning of Iron Man, that the, the first suit had the, the ability to, like, make sure he didn't break any bones because yeah. he escapes and shoots himself up, like, a thousand <laughs> feet in the air and, and then the... comes rocketing to the <laughs> yeah. earth and the suit, like, explodes. But Tony never breaks a bone. He never – I'm always amazed by the, the suit's capability – to keep your body intact. When he comes back, he is literally only wearing a sling. Yes. Not yes. even a full cast. Right, right, right. Not exactly. even a cast, just a sling. Yeah. The physics of the suit, I have a lot of questions about because it's like a it's not the actual thing that you crash into that kills you. It's the deceleration yes. that kills you. Yes. So I I don't know if they really thought that one through, but in future iterations, you'd be like, yeah, nanotechnology that takes care of all that. So sure. fine. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. This it first it one. absorbs the shock of the and then yeah. Yeah, why not? <laughs> So, all right, so Tony now has escaped. He's back on land, and now we got to go through this big chunk of the movie where he starts to realize what we were discussing earlier, like the error of his ways and how how his, in fact, um, that whole scene with the press conference is amazing when he first comes back and he's, he's eating the Burger King. He makes everybody sit down, and then he the gets up. and brutal. Man. Yeah, bro. <laughs> brutal. A lot of Audi. A lot of Audi. A lot of Audi. Yeah. Burger King. Um, but, yeah, so then he announces to the world that he's going to, like, not sell weapons anymore. And this really upsets uh, Obadiah, yes, um, who is the warmonger, the warmonger, and uh, had worked with Howard Stark all these years. Tony's partner. He wants to continue selling weapons. He can't, and then conflict ensues. What I definitely noticed about the first half of this movie is that there is a whole lot of Tony in a lab 
tinkering with machinery. It's like at least 20 minutes. And it's props to RDJ who carries those scenes with very little to react to. There's actually like not a ton of dialogue. And there's not a lot of explanation. So you have to be very sure that the audience is going to be okay watching this person tinker with things that they don't understand what they do. That they don't understand. I mean, you understand the end goal is for him to make a suit. But when you just see him with, like, a tiny circle and then, like, a needle going into that circle and then a larger, crazier-looking expanding metal circle, it's like, okay, is that going to be the helmet or your earphones? Are you interacting (laughs) with it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And it's interesting is that those scenes actually I thought really held up pretty well. Mm -hmm. The effects look great. The one component that I thought did not hold up, the cell phones. Oh. I think that's the first thing that you oh. notice where you're like, oh, that's not what oh, a wow. Yeah, nobody has a smartphone. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's all like flip. And flip Tony has like a little yeah. sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in your fave five, yeah, Tony? Yeah, yeah. But also, can you, like, the <laughs> huge disparity between he's using a sidekick and yet in order for Pepper to enter the lab, it's like a huge, like, HUD display. <laughs> and, like, she has to enter her, like iPhone passcode wow, basically to get in the lab. Right. I and never yet, realized that. Yeah. So they nail holographic displays before they handle smartphones. Smart yeah, that's yeah. that's good call. It's a good call. But yeah, no, it is amazing, Max. You say that like that the everything, the visual effects hold up because watching this movie, it's like, I think the Iron Man suit looks the best in this movie. It might I mean, because I think a lot of it must have been practical. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's practical effects always look yeah. good. But like, you know, and this, again, I'll save this for the spoiler section at the end of the show, but, like, I love that the Iron Man suit is iron <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Um, and, like, it, and it's it's not well, it's overdone. Not, it's a gold aluminum alloy, I think. Oh, yes, I think you're gold right. Gold titanium? Yes. Yeah. Warvis, what is Iron Man's suit made of in this movie? Iron Man's Mark III armor is composed of a titanium and gold alloy with ceramic plating and silicon-infused steel. He does say it in the movie, but you did not have to make us seem dumb. Yeah, all right. Geez, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, like, because it's just something about seeing the suit like moving and like, I don't know. It just it, it, like one really great thing about the original Iron Man movie here is that like it's just there's it's based in reality. Like before we got introduced to so many of like the cosmic elements of the Marvel universe. Like it was so smart to start with Iron Man because Mm -hmm. it was, it was a story that could bring in a large group of people. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't scare a lot of like non-traditional sci-fi fans off. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like basically the Iron Man suit is a, is a car. It's It's a car. It's a car. Car slash plane slash weapon. Yeah. And, and it it really is armor. Like referring back to what you're saying, he becomes a soldier. Like he, puts on his armor. I mean, his and, superpower yeah. is wealth and intelligence. Yes. And mm-hmm. by using those, it's not like Batman, where Batman still is just using, like, old-school technologies, mm-hmm. and he's really just, like, a human that can take a beating. Iron Man is a basically, like, you know, a mutant, as, as you yeah. might, might refer to it. Yeah. Like, he's just as powered up as, say, a Hulk. Yeah. Um, as we might see in later. And, on. you know, what I think is interesting in talking about how, Matt, you mentioned before, this is, like, a tight origin story and it hits all the beats necessary but I think it's interesting that we, what we don't get is that traditional training montage yeah. where it's like mm-hmm. oh I'm training and I'm getting better and I'm gonna learn how to yep. master karate or kung fu or you know special martial arts and Tony's training is tinkering in a lab yeah. yep. that's yep. his equivalent of the training montage exactly. which is yep. yeah. such a turn on the head of what yep. you get from like Batman yeah. or someone else the Butterfinger robot has to do more training than Tony does. <laughs> well, it's like, talk about just like, you can find comedy for anything. I mean, that's just like, it's just a funny part that he's got this relationship with this, yeah, this it's, robot arm. And it's yeah. like those tiny little robot sound effects yeah. that really personify human emotions in the same way yeah. that R2-D2. Absolutely. Like you, can, you can feel what that robot is feeling. Those just like amazing moments. The robot would be disappointed. Yeah, right, he right, was right. not able to fulfill wah, Tony's wah, wah, wishes wah. for him. Right. Yeah. It's so cute. It's yeah. so cute. I also think his relationship with his robots and like with technology speaks to the larger thing about Tony where he says it and it's it's definitely a sweet moment between him and Pepper and he's like, you know, I don't really have anyone else. You're all I've got, which is enforced when you look at who he surrounds himself with. Yeah, he has Happy, mm-hmm. who's like Happy Hogan, his sure. like hired chauffeur. That's a friend. 
Um, Obadiah is, like, trying to control the business side of things. And then you have Rhodey, who's more on, like you were saying, the war aspect, like the military side. So when it turns to some, when it comes to someone that he can actually confide in, it's really just Pepper. Yeah. Like he yeah, doesn't true. have yeah, anyone else. And, and she says his that robot too. friends. Yeah. 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 And she's like, you're all I have too. Yeah. It's a, it's a very nice uh, two-way street there. Yeah. You're all I have too, you know. All right. So, well, we're moving along in the story. So... Tony builds the Iron Man suit. He does, has that awesome scene where he flies up into the atmosphere. He quickly realizes that too much ice buildup is a problem, comes crashing back to the Earth, saves himself last minute. That's an awesome sequence. And then essentially this is kind of where like the movie starts, I think, moving into full gear. Now yeah, he's got the sure. suit. He's working with Rhodey, who we haven't talked about yet, Terrence Howard. Sure. The original Rhodey. Yeah. <laughs> um, who did a great job, you know. He had a line that, at the time, I was like, oh, that's so badass. And then watching it now, I'm like, it's, <laughs> it's at, at the end when he looks at what I think will become the war machine oh. uh, gear. And he says, next time, baby. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. there's not going to be a next time. Yeah. 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 For, yeah. for Don Cheadle, yes. For Don Cheats. Next time, baby. But I love um, that whole sequence when he flies out to the back to the terrorist camp in in the yes. his suit now that it's fully operational, colored in, and there's that awesome sequence where he blows oh, up the tank. My favorite and, yes. scene. My yeah, favorite like, scene. that scene is just so awesome. And I know we're going to talk about our favorite scenes later, but I'm just going to say right now, like that one. I think that's mine for sure. Kind of full blown Iron Man now, but in the background, Warmonger is revealed to have been working. With these terrorists, he's feeding them weapons. They are feeding him back the original Iron Man suit that they've recovered from the desert. And now Obadiah is off building his own warmonger yeah. machine. And a really sweet showdown at the end with, with Tony and Obadiah. Ironic, Tony! Trying to rid the world of weapons! You gave him his best one ever! Pepper! And now... I'm going to kill you with it. I find that the face-offs that are the most satisfying for me to be the ones where it's like a version of yourself that you are fighting, which is really what Tony is fighting. He's fighting a sort of like bulked up version of the Iron Man suit. I think you actually see a lot of this in later on movies, but it's, you know, no one really wants to see Hulk take on like Scarlet Witch, for example. You want to see Hulk take on... Iron Man with the Hulkbuster, right? Yeah. You want to see people clash like that. Yeah. And so I think that fight at the end was very, very satisfying for me. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like um, I th- I th- this happens in a lot of movies in general, a lot of especially superhero movies. Yeah. Like it always comes down, to, especially in origin stories, that like the hero is pinned against someone of the same power yeah. set. You know, like. Yeah, sure. Which is fine. You know, <laughs> it, it works in this movie. Um, it's a trope, I think, that. Too many movies rely on, um, but I think it works in this case because, like you said, like it's really Warmonger in this movie is a reflection of Tony um, and all the evil that Tony could be um, yeah. with when he's using his technology for evil. I mean, because it all goes back to the arc reactor. Like Warmonger's machine doesn't work without Tony's arc reactor, which he's very adamant about keeping that secret to himself in this movie. And it's not until that sequence when Obadiah steals it from him and then finally his machine is powered. But um, but yeah, that whole sequence works. It goes back to what we talked about for Pepper. Pepper kind of saves the day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like Tony's in a very bad situation. Yeah. So she's not really looking for help, but she's the one that kind of blows up the reactor and but we turns it all around. Skipped over a very important part of the movie. Yes. Phil Coulson. Oh my oh, goodness, God. Phil Coulson. It's, I'm not a reporter. I'm Agent Phil Coulson with the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. That's quite a mouthful. I know. We're working on it. It's one of those things it where you look back now. It takes on a different – yeah, it's, it feels so different rewatching it now. You were so now. earnest. You just wanted the best for everyone. <laughs> I love when he's like, did you forget about our meeting? <laughs> yes. It's like, no, no, no. It's right now. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> and again, one of those things that just – it's a very slow build, but building towards that greater S.H.I.E.L.D. Avengers picture. Yes. And you, and you got to give – John Favreau, uh, a lot of respect because, like, that's his character. Like, Coulson is a very, like, feels like a very Joss Whedon side character, you know, just quippy. Oh, sure. Lovable, sure. you know. Right. And he's there for business, but, like, yeah. he can take a joke. But he can take a joke. Yeah, he's yeah. fun. You can tell. You want to hang out with him. Um, uh, but, yeah, he's a great character. He obviously appears later in the in the MCU, which we'll, we'll get to at, at some point 
in this podcast. But um, but yeah, it was great to see him again. And amazing, he's still kicking around. I mean, Marvel's Agents of, C- uh, Agents of Shield. Yeah, man. Show's going to the season like seven. Yeah, and I, I that's a show I watched the first season of it, and that was tough for me to get through. Yeah. And, I, and it dropped off. I never. I've heard watched it. It got way better. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it also. I mean, we can talk about that forever, but it lives in now in this weird corner of the MCU, which is well, TV is an interesting place for Marvel. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe it'll get worked out. Down the line we hope. Yeah. Um, we see lots of things for the first time. We're alluded to a lot of things that come down the line. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I think this is a fantastic movie. It is, it's an amazing origin story. Super dope. I would say you forgot maybe the most important part of the movie. Oh, boy. Which is the final conference at the end. Yes. Where Iconic. Tony stands up and he's, you can see that he's wrestling with this prepared statement that Coulson has prepared for him. And instead he's like, fuck it. I am the Iron Man. Yeah. And it's like... Wait a second. That's not what superheroes are no, supposed exactly. to do. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He even has a whole conversation with Pepper about it before, and I think that's what makes the movie super smart because it plays on a lot of those superhero tropes where he's like, yeah. oh, if I were a superhero, then you would be my girlfriend it's, and the only yeah. one that knows my true identity, you know? Yes. And then five minutes later, nope, yep. everyone knows. Yes. <laughs> so yep. And in that moment, it lets you know that this is not going to be the same kind of superhero yes. movies that you've been getting. Yeah. You are about to be getting a whole new yeah. treat of stuff. Yeah. A treat of stuff. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> an amazing cliffhanger that really it doesn't have any like, you know, well, I mean, it's it's just it's not your typical cliffhanger. Like you said, it's just like you're just like, immediately as, as someone who's seen superhero movies for all for years leading up to that point, you're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Like. Yep. That's like not, how? again, it's totally against the rules to tell people who your secret identity is. And then immediately it excites you because you're like, oh, man, if anybody could have their secret identity out in the world, yeah. it's Tony Stark. Hell yeah. And it's going to be awesome. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded, too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Okay, all right. We are back, and we are going to talk about our favorite scenes in the movie. Who would like to go first? How about you, Morgan? Yeah, get in there. (laughs) Get in there, Morgan. Get in there. Okay, so we talked about it a little bit before, Matt, about, you know— it's kind of the turning point in the movie, which is why I think it's my favorite. Like, we see him tinkering in the lab. He gets the Iron Man suit up and running. And then he has this shifting moment where he's watching the television. And he's like, I have to do something about this. And he's like, let me just do a quick flight to Afghanistan real quick. And um, my favorite moment is when he, like, does the little, like, arm thing and then like there's a delay before it blows up and then he turns around to camera and and the music hits right at that moment and you're like he's Iron Man now now Mm -hmm. he is Iron Man and it's just such a good payoff to see that's kind of like the full transformation of Tony Stark. He's totally made a like 180. That is a sweet, sweet scene. And yeah. what so what I noticed in watching this movie is that, and Marvel does this throughout, is that there are these moments that are these hero moments. You can tell that they look at the screen and they're like, this is our poster. Yeah. Or like this is where we're gonna like pause in slow motion. Or it's like lifted straight from the comic it's book. You know, totally. Like, yeah. And so in this movie, uh, the scene where Tony launches all the Jericho bombs and they all mm. go off behind oh, him and yeah. he raises his arms. Yes. It's v- iconic. The first moment that um, he emerges from the cave in the Mark I suit. Yes. It's very like it slows down. He just like pauses for like a little statuesque pose. Um, the first time when he's wearing the chrome version of the suit. Yeah. Love the chrome just, version. so cool. <laughs> um then when he lands Ingamore, when he first plops down and he lands on one knee, yeah. he looks up. It's the, just the classic iconic, superhero pose. Classic, the classic knee look knee, up. The knee. Um, yeah. The walk away from the tank, as you met, mentioned, yeah. where it's like it's just these tiny little out of the arm boop, and then the walk away. We know that cool guys don't look at explosions. 
and he's yes. not he's not one to look at them. Yeah. So cool. He's done it twice, like the first time with the Jericho missiles yeah, and then again right. as Iron right. Man. But I love it. And then maybe my favorite moment in the movie is when he has his basically his night flight um, and when he's figuring out what the suit can do. And it's just such a Tony move. He's like, I'm not I'm going to run before I can walk. Yeah. Screw this. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to almost die figuring out the suit with no stakes. Right. And he's just like, take me as high as you will go. Well, and it's that recklessness that actually yeah. saves the day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Because that's so how nicely at the end. Iron Mongol. Uh, Iron Mongol. <laughs> Warmonger. Warmonger. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Sorry. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like a dream. So I have a dark horse fair part of the movie. Um, one of my favorite scenes, and I never realized this until watching it again, was when, when Obadiah steals Tony's... Um, arc reactor yeah. and he's yelling at the scientists to make it like to just figure it out and the scientists are just like we're not Tony Stark and he yeah. like yeah. yells at them and he's yeah. like Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps well I'm sorry I'm not Tony Stark <laughs> it's like yeah 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 no shit <laughs> yeah, that's he's Tony of Stark he's Tony Stark yeah and that's his superpower yeah Funny uh, cameo is that the guy who says that, well, I'm not Tony Stark, is Peter Billingsley, who plays the little kid in A Christmas Story. Well, look at uh-huh. that. Uh-huh. Well, there's a shocker. Max, did you actually do some research before this podcast? Bravo. See, we, we promised Wild. you you would learn new things with this <laughs> podcast. Didn't think it was going to be that. Yeah, That's the one. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, those are our favorite scenes. Yes. All right. Now... Let's talk about the best line in the movie. Uh, Marvel movies are known for Mm. their amazing quippy dialogue. So what do you guys got? What's your favorite line in the movie? I'm going to go with just a fun, quintessential Tony line, which is, give me a scotch. I'm starving. (laughs) That's great. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I am going to go with. Not a line from Tony, surprisingly, actually. It's when he's in the cave, and he's kind of, like, down and out on himself. Yeah. And he's like, the shrapnel's getting to me. They're going to kill me if I do what they want. If the shrapnel doesn't get to me first, I only have a week to live. And then the other scientist says, well, this is a very important week for you. Anything they're going to kill me, you, either way. And if they don't, I'll probably be dead in a week. Well, then... This is a very important week for you, isn't it? And I heard that line, and I was like, wow. Well said. So good. You know, you're so used to, you know, it's fun to look back. And Marvel movies are all about the inspirational speech. We're a team. Like, it can get a little lengthy. But this dude was like, this is an important week for you. Get it done. Yeah, Yeah. You can do it. And then they do it. And so it was just a very nice little button of a line. So I... I think that'll be my favorite. I like that, and I respect that choice. You know what? That's actually a great question for Warvis, because uh, I forget the name of that scientist. Warvis, what was the name of the scientist in Iron Man? The scientist's name is Dr. Ho Yinsen. Yinsen. Ah, of course. Uh, Warvis, thank you. See? When words fail me, Warvis is always there. Emotionally, too. Yeah. He's a support robot. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we can, any we can bring him on planes. He does not have a shoulder <laughs> for me to cry on, though, so. <laughs> well, uh, I'll end this segment with my favorite line in the movie, um, and it's when he's testing out the the suit, and he flies for the first time, and he goes, Yeah, I can fly. <laughs> <laughs> a very quintessential, like, Tony Iron Man Yes, and also line. a very good wink and nod to the audience. It's like, yeah, you've seen Superman, but, like, I could fly too. Yeah. And I've got a much cooler suit. Yeah. <laughs> and that's totally what Marvel, I think, does better yeah. than any other superhero. 100%. All right. And uh, let's talk about the director of Iron Man, John Favreau, which in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, again, not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but like a lot of directors have lended their voices and their signature style. And uh, we were talking before the podcast, and we can kind of pick up where we were. But, you know, this movie isn't exactly like the most beautifully directed movie. It doesn't really have any stunning vistas or interesting shot choices. But what makes this movie so special, and we can credit the director for this, is, well, one, casting the movie. Like, everybody is fantastic in their roles. There's not one leak. Except for Terrence Howard. 
Except for Terrence. <laughs> yeah. No, he was fine. He yeah. just, I think, there I mean, was yeah, like he didn't do a bat. Yeah, but there's, but there's no really, you know, there's no weak links in this movie. And I think another thing we can really credit uh, the director for is that it's a just tight movie. It never slows down. It feels like the appropriate amount of time is spent on everything. Like at no point in the movie are you questioning. Do you have any questions? Like, like you, you kind of understand like the whole predicament, who Tony yeah. is, what he's doing. It's like it's just like a just perfect. The pacing of this yeah. movie, I think, was really, really well done, which I think is very, very important for an origin story. What I find maybe the most impressive thing about this is that it's not as though John Favreau is coming into this with a ton of films under his belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. He had done, I think, you know, he had done Elf, which I think, you know, that was obviously a big commercial success. And he had done uh, Zathura, A Space Adventure, which which is definitely a big movie, but not super popular. And to give him the reins of this potential franchise was definitely a gamble and one that paid off. Yeah. But one that could, you know, it's not like they brought in like Spielberg to do this or something like that. This is. Do you think that's something that they were looking for? You know, because I think it's really easy. You're like, this is the first one. It needs to yeah. be splashy. It needs to make a statement. Like, they didn't bring Michael Bay in to come right. and Thank go, God. like, you know, <laughs> right? Lens flare, lens flare, lens flare. But, um, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, we want to come in solid, not yeah. flashy. Yeah. And but I yeah, think it was a solid. Yeah, and it, it kind of speaks to Kevin Feige, who's oversees the entire Marvel Studios, and like he just always seems to make the right decisions. Like, yeah, yeah like it would have been any other movie studio would have brought in a Michael Bay or a big yeah. name to play yeah. Iron Man, and and he chose to play it safe. He trusted his gut and got an amazing product. And look, a decade later, and twenty two move twenty two <laughs> movies later. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you, and you can almost see some parallels with the Russo brothers in yeah. later movies, where you know they had definitely done a lot they'd done a lot of comedy work and they had done a few films but it's not like they had this big robust uh, back catalog of movies they'd done they'd done a few yeah. um, and it's almost like you he's definitely catching directors on like their upswing yeah. where they're just coming into their own yeah. and that's just you know good taste i guess and another great segue to the spoiler zone of this podcast so if by any chance you are listening to this podcast and have never seen any mcu movies this would be the point where we tell you, pause, <laughs> fast forward a bit, because there is more in the show, but we're going to go into a quick spoiler territory. So, uh, Warvis, activate the alarm. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Thank you, Warvis. Okay, we are in the spoiler zone. Now we can talk about the whole MCU, what this movie meant, what this means for Endgame. Yes. What kind of speculation do we have, guys? Let's get into it. Well, I, I kind of want to start off with our first look at Stanley. Yes. Um, R.I.P. Pour one out for one of his homies. <laughs> um, who is coming into this. It's his first MCU cameo. Yep. And he's playing Hugh Hefner. Yeah, which, which is, is great. <laughs> which is absolutely <laughs> amazing. Totally, yeah. totally perfect. Look great, Hef. Yeah. And it's a, it's a quick one. He doesn't have a, a ton of lines. But it's definitely one of those moments where you're like, oh, oh Stanley. <laughs> you ladies, man. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I agree. Amazing cameo. One, first of many amazing cameos. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for me where it really kicked off and I got a sense of it playing into the bigger universe was just the references to his father. Yeah. Um, yeah. And how he fought the Nazis. And for those of us who had read the comic or, you know, were into Avengers, you knew that that meant the arrival of Captain America at some point. Yes, yes. Um, one thing that's not exactly the biggest spoiler, but I'm thinking about rewatching this movie. There's no parachute on the Iron Man suit. You know, and maybe the Iron Man suit is too heavy for a parachute, but he's fall yeah. when he falls when he has the ice build up in the test. Like a parachute really would have came in handy, and it makes me wonder when he builds Spider Man's suit later for Homecoming, he puts a parachute in it. Oh, so did Tony learn in Iron Man that there should be parachutes? That's a good point. On these suits, and uh, yeah, well, sure enough, Spider Man has the same problem later on. How many movies later he's falling to the earth? Parachute. I think a good spin, riffing off of that, when Tony survives that fall and he comes back and he's telling Jarvis about all of the updates he wants to make to the yes. suit, yeah. Jarvis makes a comment where he's like, we should probably do this if there is, if you want to visit other 
planets, or he says if oh, you yeah. want to visit other yeah. things. I actually wrote that one down. It's perhaps if you plan to go to other planets, we need to update the system. Exactly. Yeah. So it's mm. like, Good call. Good you know, intergalactic travel in the future, some aliens. That. Yep. So that was like a little nugget yeah. that perhaps I Perhaps he's going to be a guardian of the galaxy. Maybe. Ooh. Not quite, but. Maybe. <laughs> adjacent. You know a guardian at. adjacent. <laughs> yeah, and then final spoiler, I mean, Coulson. Uh, uh, sure. He dies. He dies later. Yeah, he gonna die. He's gonna die later in the movies, but um, it's good seeing him again. We'll pour some out for that, homie as well. Yeah, um, I would say for me the biggest, not not spoiler, but uh, foreshadowing in this movie was when we saw Obadiah drive to Stark Industries in the Segway, mm-hmm. and I was like, only villains and weenies drive Segways. <laughs> yes. There is no yeah, way yeah. this dude is on the side of good. Yeah. He's a weenie. Yes. In knowing the way that Marvel tends to operate, I would say this movie is definitely worth re-watching because it really would not surprise me if in making Endgame, they found some way to mirror the events of yeah. Iron Man or they found a way to bookend this first sort of phase of the yeah. MCU in a way that is satisfying and brings it back to the emergence of yeah. Iron Man. So, you know, maybe it's our, you know, our our new Avengers coming out in a similar sort of conference um, to the way that Stone, Tony does at the end of Iron yeah. Man or something like I mean, that. This has been speculated on the internet and is definitely a huge spoiler, but we don't know if it's true yet or not. But like everybody talks about how time travel is going to play a part in game. And yeah. like the only way to make this right is by going back in time. And I'm really curious, like cannot wait to see what moments they choose. Cause I think you're right. I think like, kind of have to go back to Iron Man. You kind of have to. It's what started it all. Yeah, you got to have some kind of Iron Man DNA in there. And uh, yeah, whatever it takes, guys. Whatever it takes. I know I can make it through. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) All right, so let's end the spoiler. Spoiler zone is over. We're out of the spoilers. All right, and to wrap up our show, we have uh, one more gift from Warvis. So the Sci-Fi Wire staff uh, earlier today was distributed a survey where we all ranked where these movies fit in the 22. So this is our collective ranking. By no means is it uh, official. Uh, It feels official to me, though. You know, it's a lot of people that (laughs) do this for a living, so you got to kind of respect it. We have some some slight authority. Yeah, exactly. You could could say. But you're listening at home. Like, it's all you. You can have your own opinion. If you don't agree, that's fine. But this, we're just going to share what we got. So, Warvis... Where does this rank in the official Sci-Fi Wire ranking of MCU movies? Iron Man 1 is ranked number 2 out of 21 MCU movies. Whoa! That's high. That is high. I'm not surprised. Not surprised at all. It's what started it off. Exactly. Um, Everybody loves this movie. You see Iron Man, you're like, hell yeah. Yeah. If you are an MCU fan, this movie 100% holds like a very special place in your Ion Reactor Heart. Yes. <laughs> and of all of all the origin stories in the MCU, Iron Man is by far the best origin story. I think that's very fair to say. Totally. But I mean, it's also part of that is that it didn't have the responsibilities that the other origin stories yeah, had either. It was, fair. it was coming at a, it's a clean slate. It, they, they could tell the story that they wanted to tell without worrying about tying into huge, massive, massive story. And they still did it uh, when they needed to, but that's what made it, I think, feel so clean. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to do really quick final thoughts around the table. So does anybody have anything? I'm going to put you on the spot. But Max, mm. what's your final thought on Iron Man? Final thought is I, I f- love the pacing. I love the flip of the traditional like terrorist villain. Love that. There are certain moments in this movie I think that would not get into a version of Iron Man if it were made today in 2019. I think that there were certain things that Tony says that do not work in a 2019 era. That's fair. Um, but again, I think it's about as close to a perfect superhero movie as one could make. Uh, I think my final thoughts are it's just opened it up. It just opened the floodgates. And not only with the cliffhanger, but this was our first post credit scene. And so you get our first glimpse of Nick Fury, and he literally says, you've become part of a bigger universe. And that's just really like— To the audience. You know what? (laughs) This is it. You guys have no idea what's coming for you. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I agree with you, Max. Great movie. Clean, tight. It's exciting to watch. And it 
I honestly say final thoughts, Robert Downey Jr. Couldn't, could not imagine anyone else in this role. Could not. Yeah, not to, to kind of repeat everything you guys said, but I agree with both of you. I mean, I think I mentioned this earlier, like I was a DC fan growing up and this movie being like, I don't, I'm not going to say it's like my introduction to Marvel. I knew what Marvel comics was, but like, I remember walking out of the theater and just being like so excited and so mad to know that <laughs> Marvel like had got it yeah. and they were on their way to something. And like DC was so far away from that. But, you know, watching this movie, rewatching this movie, it's like, I'm so excited to watch all the other movies. It's a, it's an amazing yeah. achievement and you couldn't have started better with Iron Man. All right, guys. Well, this was great. That is Iron Man, the first movie in the MCU, the first episode of our 22-day journey to Endgame. Uh, I want to thank you both for coming on board. This was great. Thanks for having us. You are very welcome. Yeah, and it's great. We'll hopefully see you guys down the line in another episode. Spoiler, we'll be back. We'll be back. Like we mentioned at the top of the podcast, this is a rotating cast of hosts. So you'll be hearing some different voices for episode two, The Incredible Hulk, coming out tomorrow. Hulk! Smash! But be sure to subscribe. Don't miss an episode. And have a blast at Avengers Endgame on April 26th. Yeah, it's a sweet way to relive the glory of the MCU and leading up to Endgame. You guys going to be there opening night? Yes. Yeah, I'm I definitely am... going to be there. I bought my tickets. <laughs> Are they already on sale? <laughs> no, I they're not. Yet. <laughs> okay, I was like, am I behind? I don't oh, think no. they're on sale yet. But uh, if they were, I'd have bought my tickets already. <laughs> now, do you like watching it in 2D, 3D? Do you like the reserved seats? Oh, What's your play? I Oof. can't do 3D. Yeah, I got to go 2D. Yeah, I think I like 2D IMAX. Yeah. And ideally... I like sitting up as close as possible. I'm definitely Who one of those. Who are yeah, you? Monster. Yeah. I want to strain my neck. Do you want to I, have to go to the chiropractor <laughs> the next day? No, I just – I don't like anyone sitting in front of me. It, like, spoils the illusion of being in this world. And I don't know. When I see some, like, schmo with a hat or, like, hearing someone cough, it's, mm. like, down in front. <laughs> see, I, I can't watch any movies anymore that are – that is not an Alamo draft house. If I can't oh, eat yeah. a pretzel – and have a drink. That beer is very nice during Oh, it's so good. <laughs> that it, is makes, key. it makes a bad movie good. It does. But yeah. Endgame is not going to be bad. No, but it's not. No, it's it's going to be fantastic. But I also think, I mean, I agree with you, Max, like being in the world of the movie. But the thing with Marvel movies and especially with Endgame, like the atmosphere and the electricity of everyone yeah, being yeah. so excited. Gotta be there yeah. I think it's like. You know, you want to feel that. You want to be with everyone else that's super excited to be there. Yeah, I do like when, like, one thing I remembered so vividly in Infinity War is when we hadn't seen Cap in a while. Yeah. And he came onto the screen, and it was like no one could contain themselves. Yeah. It was like, yeah. go, Cap, get him. <laughs> and, you're, yeah. and you're like, yes. You're, like, proud to be an American in yeah. that moment. Well, and also, it was the first movie after Black Panther. I remember everybody losing their shit when uh, T'Challa showed oh, up on yeah. screen. Because it was like, yeah, it's like a month later, and he's <laughs> yeah, back. We're back. <laughs> it's like... It's been so long. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You were gone forever. Uh, we missed you. Uh, we could talk forever, but we're going to end it there. Thank you guys so much. Be sure to subscribe, listen to tomorrow's episode, and join us again for another episode of 22 Days of Marvel. Yes, day one down. Day one down. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. When I get up in the morning and I'm putting on my uniform, you know what I recognize? I see in that mirror that every person that's got this uniform on got my back. No, no, you don't have to be like me. But you are more than what you are. You don't see it. No, I can't be.